Hello. Hey. Oh my god, there's another voice on the podcast. Three people. Good afternoon, Gwen Frey and Chris Light. Hi. How you doing, Chris Lum? Best known for the absolute smash and amazing video game Slime Rancher that I personally have very much enjoyed playing. And I know a lot of people in just my tiny community have enjoyed playing. So you are very welcome on this show. Also, we regularly talk about Star Wars on the download to each other. And so I already know you're the coolest dudes. So welcome. I understand you and Gwen go back quite a bit as well. Yes, we do. Um, I think we first met at GDC when she was out here in California looking for a job, and I was at a studio called Slipgate Ironworks, uh, which was John Romero's MMO studio at the time. And you, yeah, we just—you worked with John Romero, kind of. I mean, I worked for his studio. I wouldn't say that I worked with John. <laughs> he wasn't um, right next to you. No, no. I, I would say at most, I've had lengthy conversations with him about WoW and Chrono Trigger. Oh, dude, I was that's just saying, Chrono Trigger is definitely going to come up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's man. still pretty cool. Oh, yeah. for sure. And after that, I believe uh, the venerable Chris Lum moved into AAA. Um, after a couple years of Gazillion, he moved into AAA uh, and then eventually went indie, much like me. Yeah, there was... had a similar trajectory. Yeah, there was pretty much, like, after several MMO studios, there was a brief stint in social games, there was a an RTS in the middle there somewhere. Shit, really? What RTS? Uh, it was a RTS called War Commander. Is like a oh. for tablet. But that was I didn't even know you that was Damn, fun. dude, you've been you've been getting around. Action action MMO RPG uh, for Spyro Knights and then yeah, big AAA with Mafia 3 and then finally now on Slime Rancher. Yeah. What nice was your work, favorite? Dude. Like, between them all. Like, well, you've worked in MMOs, social games, uh, AAA, and now now you're at a tiny indie studio, like, scrappy. Successful small... I mean, indie is, like, a, a giant bucket of possibilities. So, like, indie could be, like... Like, you could be indie and, and be, like, 40 people, or you could be indie and be, like, a dude in a basement. Slime Rancher is, like, a pretty successful small operation in San Mateo. Like, six of you, right? Us, uh, I actually have to do the count now because we've been expanding. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There's seven of us full time. Or sorry, nine of us full time. Two are remote. Uh, so seven wow. of us in the office, and we're looking to expand sometime this year. Dude, you've been growing. Yep, that's cool. Are you growing to? Uh, cause you're like growing for the next big thing, or? No, just that we've been operating far under the number of people that we probably needed this entire time. And we're finally <laughs> starting to catch up to that realization that we just don't have enough people. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Are you treating Slime Rancher like a live product with a lot of DLC updates and such? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, the core of the team comes from MMO design. So we've been pretty much treating this like an MMO right from the get-go. Like even back in early access, we have... A pretty regular cadence of content updates that are all free, by the way. Um, where at this point we've gotten we've gotten it down to the point where players are actually surprisingly accurate with estimating when we're going to release things, <laughs> which is which is good. It, it creates this expectation that as long as they keep you know enjoying this game, we'll keep providing them content to turn through. 
But so if you keep giving people content for free, like where does your money come from? How do you support a studio of nine people? I mean, a, lo a lot of it's just word of mouth. You know, it's we're providing these updates, you know, with the expectation that probably it's going to keep people playing it. More people are going to see, you know, their friends playing. So I'm actually asked, hey, what's this game you're playing? Possibly pick it up themselves. You know, potentially there's opportunities for news, you know, things like that. Do you guys sell loot boxes or anything like that? Uh, nope. It's pretty much you buy the game, you've got it. You've got all the updates yeah. from all the way back from early access to now. Dude, good for you. You know, most people uh, back when I lived in, in San Francisco would say that you're leaving money on the table there. That you could at least sell something like cosmetic or... Sure. It, you, I mean, it, you know that. You worked in, in social games, so you know the it, it is funny. The sayings. It is funny because I often do have those conversations with with Nick, uh, my boss, where it's coming from a yeah, background of MMOs and free-to-play games. I, I can't help but see that as well. But he's, he's definitely got a trajectory and a vision for the game. And it's like, all right, well, it's worked so far, so I'm happy to keep doing it. Yeah, I feel you. Cool, man. And Sweet. you guys, you got distributed on the Xbox Live games for gold. That felt like a yeah. really big... In terms of just setting that word-of-mouth user base, a lot of people I know seem to pick up the game that way. Oh, yeah, that was actually probably one of the most surprising moves, uh, which is we went games with gold, uh, which basically means if you have a games for gold subscription, you could access the game for free. But we did it uh, right as we launched. Yeah, so, like it was day one the game came out. It was also free on Microsoft's Xbox. Yeah, exactly. Right, so Microsoft's Xbox, like you don't know what an Xbox is. <laughs> Just in case, listeners, you're unaware, Microsoft makes an Xbox. Yeah, so that, I mean, that actually ended up working out quite well for us. I mean, it got, I believe we have well over a million uh, installs at this point. Um, it just got people playing the game, talking about the game. It definitely got us in the news. Uh, so yeah, it worked out really well for us. It was you definitely, pretty surprising. Oh, so, yeah, you definitely hear that kind of thing being really common for multiplayer games. Uh, you definitely hear like, because with multiplayer games, it's so much more important to get everybody playing immediately. So launching in into something like Games for Gold right at launch uh, really helps because then it the you build up enough people that you have that critical mass that other people that are buying the game know that they can they'll have people to play with or play against. But for a game like Slime Rancher, that is actually kind of an unusual move to go with games with gold right at launch. You guys are doing some unusual stuff, but it's working out really well. It, it also like really well. It, it also helped that we had a really solid uh, early access period. So I see. When we, basically, when we turned on essentially the you know the launch key, there wasn't actually a lot of surprises for us because you know we'd been essentially live for such a long time that. You know, people who had already picked up the game had already picked up the game by that point. Yeah, you know, so there was launch was just sort of added <laughs> bonus at that point. And we did I got it. it. So launch was like, did you a small content <sighs> drop and a trailer to get back in the press, basically? But at that point, you were like, the game was live and you already had players and everything. Pretty much. I mean, we had one more last sort of content. It wasn't even like a day one patch sort of thing. It was like we had content that we just could not fit into essentially cert beforehand. That was like, well. The day it comes out, this is when this update will, will happen. Nice. I imagine that push from Microsoft probably helped as well, because they did make quite a big deal about it. Like, I'm someone that uses an Xbox all the time. So I remember on 
day one, I, like turning on my Xbox uh, and the big banner ad at the very top, like when you went across the store. Oh, yeah. The first thing you saw was a very big, like prominent first thing you see. Slime Rancher, get it right now, it's out, get it, Games for Gold. Like, they, they seem to give that quite a good push. That must have helped with, like, new yeah. people knowing about it. Yeah, I mean, it was also working well for them, too, because obviously it helps them promote their games with gold service. Um, Which doesn't Steam hurt, also yeah. gave us a full banner ad as well, so, you know, that was really nice. Yes, I remember that, actually, when it was launched there, because I remember you posting a picture of that one and me being like, mm-hmm. ah! Oh, shit, did you get into, like, the, uh, did you get the pop-up window right when you opened Steam? You were in that? Uh, you know, I actually don't know if I, we got the pop-up window, specifically because, obviously, already owning Slime Rancher, I don't get those pop-ups. Yeah. Mm. So that's, I, I actually couldn't test for that, but we definitely did get the full, you know, banner, you know, spread, which is really, really yeah. cool. It's so first cool to thing see, you see First thing you see on two big stores. Actually, you know, the Slimes. first time I ever saw that was, um, so back when we launched Spiral Knights, we were, we were actually their flagship uh, free-to-play game. So back when they launched free-to-play the genre on Steam, uh, I think there were a set of five games. Spyro Knights was one of them. So they actually did a cross-promotion with one of our Spyro Knights guys interacting with a TF2 character. And that was to launch their whole awesome. free-to-play marketplace, uh, you know, all those features that came out with Steam during that time. Yeah, yeah. So that was nice. really cool to see as well. Dude, that stuff makes or breaks your sales early on. It so makes a goddamn difference like wars are fought over those goddamn banner ads i don't know how like i don't have friends there but people lament there there's conversations that are like "Ooh, how do i make a friend that works at valve so that i could just like if i could just get a friend and these days everything's driven by algorithms well i think i think too it's uh, part of it is like a whole thing i mean i think i think part of the strategy there is just have a really successful early access because then they can see, like, oh, hey, this game is trending on Steam. Why is it trending? Oh, it's making a lot of money. And then, you know, at that point, you can start having a conversation. I don't, yeah, I don't absolutely. think the strategy is just reach out to Valve and hope someone gets back to you, you know? No. Like, these days, you, you pretty much you have to do your marketing outside of Steam. You can't expect Steam to promote your game, which I think is a change from maybe 10 years ago. You would call up somebody from Valve and you'd be like, yo, I want a banner ad and I want to... If you promote me, then people will buy the game, and it'll snowball, and we'll all get more money in the end. And if you can make that case, then they'd do it. But now it's just like, everything is algorithms. There's way too many games for us to do that. You know, you have to basically already prove that, like, the math needs to show that by promoting you, we will make more money than by promoting somebody else. Which is cold, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's also fair, right? Mm -hmm. It's why they're Steam. It's like, why they're the place you get PC games from. I mean, also, yeah. games are not developed in a vacuum so much as anymore as well, right? So you have the That's opportunity true. to start essentially your marketing campaign. Mar- I say marketing in the loosest terms, but, you know, your marketing campaign earlier than you normally could. As, Dude, you know, like, say, in AAA, right? Where it's like you're basically holding that close to your chest for months and months and months. And then at the yeah. very end, big marketing push. Yeah, man. I'm not sure if with in the indie space sometimes I'm not sure if we're making games or if we're making like gifts for Twitter. Like, I'm not <laughs> sure which thing we're doing sometimes, man. Like And that that I part can be super fun though. Yeah. It's fun like, to share. I'm gonna buy that raccoon game when it comes out from Punches Bears, but like I'm probably at this point I'm buying it because I've gotten so much goddamn entertainment value out of those damn Twitter gifts over the years. Like I, I honestly care more about the Twitter gifts. 
But yeah, like you, you're all of your marketing is outside of Steam now, right? Like it's before the game launches. It's outside. It's the streaming your game development, streaming the game streamers. That's a huge question. I, I, like, I will say the, the the one learning that I if if anyone can take any learnings away from Slime Rancher, it's make it easy to share your game. You know, have a built-in video capture, gift button, whatever, post a Twitter thing. The more people can share your game and talk about your game, the more people are just going to be aware of it, you know? Yeah, there have been a couple of devs have done interesting shit. I thought the Opus Magnum gifts were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Where anytime you beat an Opus Magnum puzzle, you can see, like, the those gifts. And for what is this flooded. magic? You know, what You're is like, going on your here? Your feet is flooded by those? You're like, what is this? Shit. And that is a very powerful question. The moment you get someone else to ask, what is this? That's really good. It means it's working. Yeah. You should know, Slime Rancher is actually ahead of the curve in something called... Um, have you been reading about uh, games that are cozy? The idea of cozy games? And... I didn't so, realize that. Hike, hike, hike the... What's the name of that Swedish... Is it a Swedish word? I forget the name. There's a term for this. Anyway, carry yeah. on. I'll look it up. <laughs> okay. Hugge, Hugge? Yeah, that's it. Search that hashtag on Instagram. It's loads of cozy people and like <clears throat> everything's sort of warm and brown and like it's sitting in front of a fire. It's like a so. Whole so, thing. W- would you describe chili dogs as 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 essentially that? Um, in its, I guess, I guess, in the way I try to m- make sure everyone's friendly. Yes, and definitely not visually. I mean, because you're looking at me and like the color pink and blue, like everything. <laughs> but like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, kind of you need yeah, to get no, a chili dog sort of wrapper to make yourself all nice and cozy and that could be your thing yes oh god that that chili dog <laughs> is one the amount of people that see that thing and they're like that thing is gross sorry anyway yeah <laughs> i'm You're like really yeah. warping the uh the term cozy here to t- <laughs> but I yeah like it. to apply to anything to do with me <laughs> but like but slime rancher yeah i definitely agree it definitely like when i play it which i do it's definitely a relaxing game well Unless the slimes start jumping out of the little pen I put them in, and then I'm like, stop this! And like, like, I have to run around. And then, like, things will try and eat each other, and I'm like, no, you all have to be friends! You cannot... This is... There is no eating and attacking in my world! Like, so, I have to separate them all. Like, the chickens are in their own It's comedic chaos, though. It's comedic chaos. Yeah, that's the thing. It's totally really fun, but it is very relaxing. Like, when I'm back on my farm, and I'm just putting putting little poots in, like, and getting my money, and the day someone pointed out to me there's an economy, I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. I was just loading up the same things into the fit, <laughs> and it was like, I'm getting less and less money. And they're like, well, yeah, you will. It depreciates in value. There's an economy in this game. I was like, what? I didn't realize that was a layer, like, for the first few weeks of playing. But yeah, it's doing very well, and it is a wonderful game. So yeah, thanks for that, Chris Lam. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You are... You're a trendsetter, man. Because so, you realize this is this is all people are talking about now. Is like before there's in the indie space, especially there was kind of a disdain for like mass things that look mass market. You know, I'm games pretty sure read. there still is, but yeah. <laughs> well, now no. If you read a lot of the articles that are coming out now, people are really big on oh, we need cozy games. Games like uh, they don't directly reference Slime Rancher, but they talk about a lot of games like, mm-hmm. for instance, um, uh, the what was that farming game? Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley, yeah, games like Stardew Valley and a lot of the games where you're you're kind of, um, it's a little more chill and you're you're not fighting for your life, you're just kind of relaxing and and start making a life and you know playing 
playing life, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, managing systems in a way that's less stressful. And this is a huge topic of conversation right now in the indie space and stuff like this. Huh. Yeah, I, I would I would say though that chasing the trend is usually never never works out well. Just I mean just I mean just like you know five years ago where everyone's chasing survival game trend, it's there's only room for so many of those, right? God. If, if 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 everyone makes a chill, whatever game, uh, and that's all there is, it's going to be the person who comes up with something different. That's going to make it big. Me <laughs> the next the next cycle. Fucking started, man. God damn. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Obviously. Um, but I mean, it's cool. Like I think actually right now, given just the state of everything in the world right now, having nice chill games is is really good. I mean, I, I picked up. Um, Truck Simulator on Chris's recommendation over the break, just to have just you to have... brought it up, and I didn't. I was like, "Fucking, I've been talking about this for like just... seven years. I've been talking about Truck Simulator being relaxing." Yeah, just because cool. you know, like I needed something where I could just let my mind wander and not have to stress about anything. And then, yeah, of course, I I could just as easily hop into Battlefront, but you know, occasionally you just want something to chill with, like a nice long road trip. Dude, I've reached a point. I've definitely reached a point where when I need to relax, I can't even play any game at all. Like, playing a video game makes me think about making games. Oh, no. Like I'm, maybe I'm a little overworked right now, but I'm there. Yeah. Like, oh, this is no longer... Like, I need a different way to relax. I uh, can't be in front of a computer right now. For, uh, fortunately, I, 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 I have the ability just to turn off that side of my brain if I need to. So it's not like, you know, if you make movies, going to see a movie and not being able to enjoy it because you're constantly nitpicking every single shot. For me, it's if I find the right type of game. Like I've been playing this game called uh, Air Memories of Old, which oh, is it good? Oh, yeah. It looked good. Doesn't really actually seem to have too much of a point, but the the feeling of just being able to freely turn into a bird and fly anywhere is just so relaxing. You know, like I can just yeah, I can just fly around in circles all day, just enjoy the scenery and listen to the really you know soothing music. Like that's just a super relaxing game for me. I could just wander around. You know. Yeah. So is it even a game or is it kind of like an interactive experience? Um, I would say it's probably a very light uh, adventure game. There there does seem to be some sort of story thread that I don't really follow that much. <laughs> I just like flying around, taking cool pictures, seeing what they've done with the environment, seeing how they've used their props and stuff like that. So I guess I guess my brain is still somewhat tuned into that, but it's because I just do a lot of environment art as well on Slime Rancher. Yeah. So I always like to see like how uh, other people are using their props and such like that. That used to be the the key for me is the games I would play at home were never the, like for fun were never the games I was working on because I always played like strategy games and tactics games and stuff at home and I always worked on uh like shooters or um, like something completely different. Have, you know what I mean, have you ever picked up a game just to analyze how they did their animations and such like that? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you have to, right? Like, all of them. Like, I own every Uncharted game. Like, um, I'm not... And I'll I'll play through them sometimes, or, uh, like, what else? I mean, I, I, I don't play Uncharted for fun. I play it to look at the animation. <laughs> well, I, I still remember us going through Uncharted way back in the day, back in your old apartment, trying to get through yeah. those games as fast. Well, back, back when we all thought, like, oh, yeah, maybe we can apply to, like, Naughty Dog or something. We should probably play their games. <laughs> I don't think that's why we did it, but I do remember strongly Dante like throwing away all the guns except for the goddamn shotgun, and then we were always fucked whenever we got the controller. Yeah, like, leave, damn leaving it, Dante. us leaving us ammoless, 
<laughs> you left us Amelis with a shotgun. Trading off in that game was, well, I mean, it's not the hardest game. I remember running through an arena and die. Like, at one point I got stuck on one arena. I ran through the other side, died, and then, like, flashed forward into the next narrative scene. I was like, yeah. <laughs> nice. Game dev hacks, man. I know how this is scripted. Hit the, tri- hit the trigger volume, trigger the next cutscene. You're good. Fuck yeah. it, Lead skills, Gwen. I mean, GDC is right around the corner, right? Like, what what is the best it advice is. that you would give to someone going to GDC for the first time now, in this day and age? Shit, we, are you interviewing me now? I mean, you oh know, this is a topic that's I've seen pop up on Twitter more and more lately, because like I said, GDC is right around the corner. There's a lot of initiatives to get people in for the first time, like a lot mm. of students and such like that. You were just finishing saying that, like, don't shop yourself around at GDC as much. It's like, how would you do oh. that if you're a student starting out now? I mean, you, okay. So, okay. All right. So if you're a student starting out, what do you do at GDC? Um, that's an excellent question. There's there's two sides here. There's the selfish side where it's like GDC is really fun and you want to learn. So going to the talks is great. Uh, a lot of the talks are really, really good if you're new. Like, really good if you're new. Uh, the roundtables can be kind of hit or miss, but the actual talks are usually quite good, especially in the main conference. Um if your goal, it is very difficult to break into the industry. And if your goal is to go to GDC to get a job, you are going, uh, and this is like your only plan, uh, and you're like freaking out and desperate, people can kind of smell that desperation. And it's uh, that that's not the right place to be. It is a good place to be to go there and show off your work and and say, hey, you know, I exist. I'm looking. I'm looking to meet people. Um, I'm looking to uh, get a job in the industry. Here's my portfolio. Here's what I can do. Have something to show. Have something um, that you can literally show somebody. If you're an artist, this is obviously easy. If you're a programmer, show them a demo for a game. If you're a designer, show them a demo for a game. Like Have something that's well presented that you can show, that you can email to them and that they can email to their team uh, if need be. Mm. That would be my my. Like, it's real obvious to say that, but yeah, absolutely, you should probably do that. You should probably, um, I mostly have lists of things not to do. Like, go to the parties, don't ever hit someone up for a job at a party. Respect that when people are off the clock and they're drinking and they're having fun, they're drinking and having fun, and you can make friends there, and you can be like, hey, can I email you later to talk to you about stuff? Can I, uh, get your email for that? And then email them later and follow up later Mm -hmm. with, like, by the way, I'm trying to break into the industry. Don't be the person, like, at a party trying trying to desperately get a job from somebody who's clearly, like, had a day of listening to students and doesn't want to hear this. Like, they're here to drink and, and chill and unwind. Yeah, like, gen- you, general you rule of thumb. You kind of got to read people. Exactly. Like, general rule of thumb is, you know, don't just, like, throw business cards at people, right? Like, if, if they're interested, they'll generally ask <laughs> you for your contact info, right? Dude, well, you can do that, but literally, like, I had a student literally walking through the expo floor, just like, here, here, like, handed me a business card, went down, handed somebody else a business card, didn't even say who the fuck they were. (laughs) What is your goal here to get this? As the years gone on, I've collected fewer and fewer business cards, too. But I mean, there's also just a reality here of, um, I say this every time, and I'm always scared every time I say this, that students are going to, like, flood my inbox, and they never do. But I... Here's a here's the thing that happens 
constantly. Um, I'll I'll go and I'll I'll give a talk somewhere or something, and somebody will have their demo reel and they'll ask me to review it and I'll review it and I'll say, hey, um, here's what I think you should change. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. If you do another version of this, here's my email. Go ahead and email me the next version. Three people, maybe four, in my entire career have ever followed up with that ever. Like, I mean, it's never happened. I mean, that that's so that's a those... great way of of you know sort of filtering, right? It's like, if you really want it, those are the people who are naturally going to get jobs, right? Yeah, it, it's not just like, the the amount that people don't follow up is incredible, for especially among students. Um, I, if ever somebody gives you their email and says, hey, if you update this, or if you want to, please email me again. Just fucking set a cal- Google Calendar reminder and then do it. Like, you will stand out so much more easily because it's really easy to drop, like, money and show up in person one time with your with your demo reel and be like, look at all I have done here. And uh, and expect people to just be like, oh, my God, we're going to give you a job immediately. That's not going to happen. They're probably not hiring for your position immediately. But what you can do is start a dialogue. And what you can do is follow up later. And I know that sucks, but, like, that's... If you are one of the few that do that, you will stand out. You would be amazed at how little people do that. Yeah, um, I, I think part of it too is maybe the self-conscious bit of being a student, right? Because you're you're constantly because you know, like we all have imposter syndrome, right? Even as even as people who've been in the industry for a while, there's always that lurking fear of like, well, I don't want to impose, I don't want to constantly bug them and like somehow get myself out of the running here by bugging them too much. As a student, you have that feeling even more usually, where it's like. I have no business sending this email to like Naughty Dog, but you know, so I think there's, there's a little bit of that at play as well. Right. Dude, absolutely. And I hear you, but if you've met somebody in person and they, they give you their email and they say, please follow up or they, they invite you to follow up. All you're doing by not following up is not taking advantage of an opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And you should absolutely follow up in that case. I'm just saying that that's probably why some people don't. Oh, I understand it. I just, I, I understand it completely. Like why that happens. I just think it's a mistake. I, I, I know why it happens, but it's, it, and it, I'm, I guess if I encouraged anyone to do anything, it would be to, to follow up with people when they invite you to. Obviously, read the room. Don't harass somebody like once a week. People are very busy. That is absolutely true. Um, you know, you you do have to have some ability to read that sort of thing. But for the most part, game developers are really chill and really want to help each other out. And if somebody gives you their email, they're, that's not bullshit, you know? I agree. So that person really should have emailed you, Gwen, is basically what we're that, getting at here. I'm not saying that person. Email Gwen there's... back. Jesus, what's <laughs> wrong with you? Right now, as soon as you oh, listen to this God. podcast, make sure to email Gwen Frey at the Molasses Blood. The, the story that I always tell is, you know, even back in school, the sorts of people who got jobs right out of school were the ones who didn't just rely on their grades and their classes to get them through. It's like you would see them. They were always in the lab. They were always collaborating with other students. You know, they, they just had that that fire, that passion to make something that went outside of just like, well, I got an A in class, so that's probably good, right? I have this demo reel that I was mandated by my school to make, so I'll just shop that around in GDC and hope you get a job. It's like, no, that's that's not enough. Like, you got to... Go the extra 110%, right? Yeah. Uh, in whatever way that is. 
And I know that that's hard, man. But this has always been a competitive and difficult industry to break into. Always. I just feel like it's probably more so than ever. In fact, it's just, yeah. Oh, ab- there's absolutely. More, there's more jobs than ever, but there's more people that want those jobs than ever. And there's, there didn't used to be game design classes when I went to school. Same, same year. I mean, you know, and also too, just everything is more accessible, right? With things like Unity and Game Maker and you know, all these sorts of programs that people can basically just self-teach, right? It's like yeah. fact, there's a lot more people with that foundation now than there was before where you would have to like search on obscure forums for how to use like, you know, radiance or something, right? Oh, totally. Like if if I saw a designer, especially somebody who wanted to be a level designer and they didn't have a website or a reel where they showed that they have actually done level design already in Unity or something, I'd be like, why do you want to do this? You could have, if you gave a shit, you could have literally taken, you know, your weekends for a month. Mm. And built a level. It's so easy now. Mm-hmm. The fact that yeah. you didn't makes me question yep, how, much. how seriously you're taking this. That's always my advice to people as well. And it's obviously a very different field and a different discipline. But that is 100% a big bit of advice I give to everyone. Do it anyway. If you want to do it, you're probably going to be doing it anyway. Because it's so accessible to do these things right now. Like with the sort of stuff I do. YouTube, Twitch, like podcasts like fucking no one asked us to make a radio show we just did it <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like do you just, know why you should be doing it now like do should, you not want to do you, it do you know why i do this with chris slight did i ever tell you this chris love because i'm so, amazing dude so we met and i was like we met right after i had shipped the flame of the flood and i was super busy and we we talked a bit at pax because he interviewed me for that game and i uh, and i was like yeah, yeah, maybe someday we'll do, you know, like, we'll do a show or something. It could be fun. And he followed up. And I was like, sorry, I'm busy right now. And then three months later, he followed up again. And then three months later, he followed up again. He's like, you know, I still think we should do this. And that's when we finally did it. Yeah. She showed a kernel of interest. And, uh, (laughs) like, like she was like, because she gave me her business card. And it's like, yeah, because we had a really good interview. Like, we had, we laughed and we had a good time. Like, we clicked quite well straight away. And it was like, we should do something. And I'm like, yeah, we should. And so, like, Twitter, I'm DMing her, like, immediately. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, let's, you know, we could do a podcast. We could do whatever, da-da-da. But that is a thing. Like, someone that you're like, oh, she made a game. And, like, she worked on Bioshock. That's, like, and we got on quite well. Shit. We could do a thing. So, okay, yeah, so I bothered the of, hell out of Gwen. One of two things is true here. Either following up with people is an important skill for success, or I'm the flakiest bitch alive. <laughs> A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, you know. <laughs> Dude, you, you, you had a lot of shit going on, but I do know, like, the only way you get anywhere with, like, people that are actually doing shit already is, it's that, like you say, it's a balance. Yeah, like, if I bothered you every day, like, if I was like, Gwen, what are we, are we going to do a thing, Gwen? Like, I know we don't know each other that well, Gwen, but when are we going to... That would be too much, but like once every few months, I'm just like, hey, dude, you remember yeah. you were saying you wanted to do a thing? Like, it's a time and a place Maybe thing, we could right? do it. Yeah, you gotta read people. Well, yeah. not only that, but you know, just yeah. at certain times, like you know, you're just you're so busy with work or personal stuff that it's, you know, you might have just caught someone when they are at the busiest point in their life, and you don't know that necessarily. But you know, in two three months, they might not be. Yeah, and this is especially true if you're applying to studios and stuff. Studios will go from really not hiring to holy shit, do we need X Y Z, and and they won't know that's coming, and that'll just hit like. The industry changes so quickly, deadlines move or shift, your project completely changes. The industry is insane. 
And so just constantly being on somebody's radar in a low-key way is not the worst thing. Exactly. No. So I would probably wrap things up about there. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Lum. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It's been great hanging out with you guys. Absolutely. This has been Chris Lum, Chris Slight, and Gwen Frey. And you've been in the Dialogue Box.